0: From an investment perspective, you know, if you're structured where you're investing in private loans on a one-off basis and, you know, you may be participating in the underwriting or you may have that broker, whoever's facilitating it, you know, recommending a deal to you, all your eggs are in one basket, right? So whereas the way we do it at Keystone is we spread the risk across our entire book, you know, as an investor, you don't see those ups and downs and have to deal with the delinquency. It's just part of our risk management and it gets taken into account in our margin.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Canadian Private Lenders Podcast, the show about starting a private lender in Canada, the mortgage industry, and the real estate industry. Your hosts are Neil Andrino and Ryan McNeil. Enjoy.
0: Okay, episode 17 of the Canadian Private Lenders Podcast with your hosts, Ryan and Neil. Neil, how you make it out, man? Very good, as always. I was away for a little bit of time,
1: so I'm getting used to the time change. It was 13 hours. Back in the saddle. Back in the saddle, but uh I think I was saying to you just now, it's nice getting up at five actually. Oddly Stretch not. your day out a little bit. Yeah, it stretches the day out a little bit. I feel it at about eight PM though, when my eyes are closing on mm-hmm. me. But uh went to the gym this morning at like five forty five and I was like, Oh. First one there? No. That no. was the other thing. I was kinda of in my head, I was like, oh, I wonder if it'll be empty or not. And I walked in, I was like, Oh, okay. Like there's the gym, I think is like a lot of people go a And a morning warriors rated shooting s- Instagram reels. Yes, exactly. <laughs> guilty uh <laughs> right at six like then it just went like full full tilt. Yeah, it was yeah. like everyone shoots around six and like by 605 the place is full yeah. i was like damn
0: okay aren't you usually an evening workout guy
1: i live for an evening workout because okay. i like to be i find in the morning i'm not as strong but the thing that i've been struggling with is evenings get busy and so i end up missing out on doing it right and so i was like eh, let's go in the morning and get it done so i love nice. doing mornings do you it sets you up
0: for a great day
1: do you eat before you go?
0: No. That's empty a, stomach.
1: So, which I think is like the best for burning fat and like all that. Yeah. Like growth just hormone. coffee. Coffee before. I get lightheaded.
0: I hear you. But I think, I think I, I would have in the early days of doing it and your body just adapts over time, right?
1: Okay. So I need to, I need to embrace this because even this morning, like I finished up, I was doing the ropes and I was like, oh God. <laughs> you felt it. Yeah. I thought I was going to throw up for a second, but uh, anyways.
0: Yeah. So, what are we getting into today? So today we're going to touch on a not so fun part of the business: de- <laughs> delinquencies and mispayments, and how we kind of manage through that. It's uh, something we don't want to have happen, but it's inevitable, especially you know as you grow the book, right? So we kind of we just want to get in how we manage and navigate th- through those waters.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's part of private and prime lending. It doesn't matter. Hundred percent. You lend any sort of money or, yep. or have a payment set up. But before we get into that, mm-hmm. I wanted to hit you with this because I feel like everyone's been paying attention to interest rates more heavily than ever. And I feel like the people that listen to this will know about kind of the Canadian mortgage bond, the tool that it is, it used to fund a lot of deals. It was going up like crazy at the end of 2023. Mm-hmm. And then once October passed, it started to come down and it came down, I think about 130 to 140 points overall. Uh, which helped bring rates down. So you saw those five year fixed mortgages go to like four nine nine. CMHC money went to like four and a half, and it made a lot of things make a lot of sense again. Yep. It's back up 60 yep. bips mm-hmm. over the last I think three weeks. Mm-hmm. Last week was about I think it was twenty seven bips last week, like the last three to four weeks in total. It's I think sixty two basis points. So that's point six two percent, which is a lot. What do you think is going on? Like, there, is there yeah. concerns? Do you have concerns that this is going to continue and we're going to go back to increase? And, like, I mean, I'm, I'm Mr. Pessimist freaky, shared all the time. Yeah. So, I'm seeing this like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, some, you've probably heard some of the news. Like, there's mixed reviews on if we're hitting the inflation targets. Things are kind of bumping up again. Employment's been pretty good. And so, there's, like, talks yeah. of, there's even kind of talks of raising the rates again. Yeah versus everything like for the last 6 months everyone's like mid to late 2024 rates are going down i think i forget what i said now and we talked about
0: it <laughs> you said i think you said rates were going to go down 125 feet so, yeah. this year <laughs> and you regret that now aren't you
1: yeah now i'm like i, I feel going, good
0: about my 75 yeah now i'm like
1: oh they might go up like i'm feeling totally the opposite okay. because of how quickly people like we said that that was in like late fall winter time start of winter sort of thing
0: yeah yeah Started Market
1: was dead. Mm. Like residential market was dead. Commercial market, everyone was like freaking out. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. N- and then now the spring, it's like we had 40 offers in a place last week. We had two yesterday. They both had seven offers.
0: And it's like, what? Market's back. Market's completely back. Yeah. It's on fire in Ontario too. Crazy. Okay. So just go back to your point. I'll make a bold call here. Okay. I'm going to say 0% chance rates get raised anything this year. Zero percent chance. And I'll tell you why. So yes, like there's a lot going on, a lot of negativity now, job numbers, you know, what was expected. But I think if you kind of read between the lines with, from Tiff, like he's, he's kind of hinting, like the policy is working on inflation. It's just the shelter costs are continuing to drive that up. Right.
1: Okay. I think if
0: you strip that out and look at things like it has settled down quite a bit. Yeah, I think we're going to wait longer to see rate cuts. Yeah, I think I said you know June, July, initial rate cut. I'd probably still hold to that. It probably won't be like a fifty point cut anymore. 25. Probably twenty five. Yeah, but I'm going to say zero percent chance. Really, rates get raised this year zero percent.
1: You don't think he just like slaps everyone real quick and just like puts it up point two five or point one five sneaks it in just to be like. No, no. everybody chill yeah, out don't mess us. around it's just like we're following course here i need you guys to help me with this which means stop spending like lunatics yeah and just wait you know no chance no <laughs> chance okay all right you can put a bet <laughs> on that this is not financial advice do not follow do not follow this but yeah. okay all yeah. right you just think they're gonna hold for a bit longer i i, I think so
0: that. yeah i think so right because you know a lot of these changes they've made in the past haven't fully impact of the market yet too right so i think you're gonna see i guess some common sense through that but uh, well what do you think do you think it could bump up again mr pessimist i kind
1: of do and i try and like that's how i like to run and do everything is in my Mm -hmm. head like is the worst case possible and so i'm like all right i'm planning as if rates are going to go up this year now and i'm like i want to play that card Mm -hmm. i don't want to get into the idea of maybe they're going to come down so i'm like part of me thinks that potentially they could if the impact because the other thing that I think is there's a ton of, as everyone likes to say, dry powder on the sidelines. Sure, they've they've also said on the flip side of like general consumers, like that a lot of them are are tight. There's also a a big portion of the market that has a ton of capital sitting aside that's been waiting for this moment because the last three four years have been so good. A lot of experienced investors, big investment firms, and and even small investors have been chalking cash aside sure. to prepare to make a move for when there is a downturn. Yep, which if there isn't one or people are being like, oh shit, here it goes again and they start putting more capital into the market, it's going to just keep running which ultimately then they're going to be like, all right, we need to raise rates because clearly it wasn't enough impact. Also, all the conspiracy YouTube videos that I watch, when they show the historical timelines for like the last 150 years, Mm -hmm. god damn, they always like, they like overlay it with previous market corrections and stuff and it's like, there was like the rate growth and then there's always like the little blip down, yeah. and then it's just like ballistic to the moon right. with more rate growth. And so, I don't know. Like I said, I am definitely a pessimist in that sense. And so, I'm just a little bit nervous that there might be more mm-hmm. to come. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And despite my bold claim that it's not happening, <laughs> anybody who's looking and considering a variable rate mortgage, it wouldn't hurt to bake that in, you know, yeah. in the odd chance that it did happen. Yeah. But it's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Last point I'm going to make too. That's, sure. I, just, I just remember this. What, this is my other item. Ray Dalio. I'm sure you've heard of him. Multi-billionaire yep. business. Yeah. Yep. He's got a, a couple different books. I find them. I like them. They're good. Very successful investor. He talks about some of his kind of best wisdom and where he's learned the most is looking at history. And he meets with a lot of historians, mm. like financial historians. And that's where he's seen the most like predictability within the marketplace. And he, said he kind of bases a lot of his investments, hedges, and f- trades on that kind of a thing. So then, when you sure. go back and look at the history, that's where I'm just spinning a bit. But anyways, I'll leave it at that. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody really does for sure, I guess. But uh, temporarily, rates are back up a little bit. Yep. So Good stuff to that point. This could. This also lends into <laughs> missing some
0: payments. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And <laughs> and not with um, not with us in particular because we offer fixed rate mortgages. But obviously, yep. there's several other products that uh, borrowers may have that um, would be variable and depend on those rate raises. So, so let's talk about delinquency and clients who miss payments. This is something when running a private lending business, you don't mess around with. Yep. You don't overlook it and say, oh, you know, I hope they'll make the payment in two weeks or next month and make it up. Yep. You attack it head on. Yep. From my experience, you want to immediately follow up. If you see an NSF, yeah. insufficient funds come through couple days after the payment's been pulled, immediately follow up with that client. What caused the issue, right? Have a conversation. And I don't want to say nine times out of 10, but very often there's a story there, right? There's a reason why. And they'll say, well, you know, I had something go on in my life, but I can make this payment a week from now or two weeks from now. And sometimes it's just a mistake too, right? So maybe their bank account changed or you got some misinformation on closing and the first payment bounce because you had the wrong account on file, right? It could be as simple as that sometimes, but you don't want to wait around for two or three months for things to pile up. You attack the issue right away and you work to solve it. It never gets any better once
1: if they're missing one and then you stack another one. It's the same with when you're putting money out. Like if someone's asking for money in advance, it's almost impossible for them to get back to that regular schedule. Yep. To that point, what do you find, like having seen this obviously for years, what was the most common reason? Like, is it typically like people need another week or two? Typically, people need another week or two. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd say typically it's people just need to create some sort of payment plan because of the way their funds come in. And, Mm -hmm. you know, historically, we've had way back in the day, I think we had payment dates on like whenever the deal closed. That was insane. Like a lot of banks operate that way, where, say, if your mortgage closed on the 13th, you pay on every 13th of the month after that, right? With us and exactly, we want to be as efficient, streamlined as possible. Highly recommend this for anybody operating a, a private lending firm. Either do, Twice a month, where you take payments on the 1st and the 15th, or just do once a month. And we just do once a month on the 1st. It's super clean. You get all your payments coming in that date. You handle it once a month. Banks are kind of
1: lax now, I find, where they let you choose the date. Yep. Which is kind of nice.
0: It is kind of nice. I mean, I guess they've got more capability or technology or whatever it is to to manage that. And, you know, maybe it's better for their cash flow to have... Cash coming in spread on a daily out. cycle or, or spread out throughout the month. I don't yeah. know, but in terms of running a private lending operation, you want to be as efficient and streamlined as possible, and not require you know those additional headcounts just to process monthly payments.
1: Yeah, because then it becomes a check. If you have like 15 different days of, you have to make that check. It's like, oh, do we NSF anything today? Do we do this? And yep. like, you know what I mean? It's
0: it's something that becomes an extra exactly task exactly. So. Like I said, you know, the most common thing we see is someone, you know, their paycheck's coming next week or whatever, right? Or they've got some other transaction closing and they'll have money to cover that payment and the next payment or whatever it might be. But if they can't make a payment on that first day or whenever their payment's supposed to come out, implement a payment plan with them, okay? So say, we're going to agree to this. We're going to sign off on an email, but have a conversation with them first and say, you can't pay today, but you're telling me you're going to pay in four days. Or you're going to pay half the payment now, and then you're going to pay half of it a week from now, right? So come up with that payment, get it in writing, and implement that going forward with that particular client.
1: Would you typically get them to, like, e-transfer, drop off a check, or would it just be that you set up a new set of withdrawals?
0: Yeah, we would typically, we do, you know, direct deposit from their accounts. So we would just likely pull that again, unless it was some sort of external arrangement. We prefer to keep things as efficient as possible. So we don't want to get into like taking checks and stuff like that on a one-off basis. It's just inefficient again. Yeah. Adds complexity. Adds complexity. Yeah. Understood. And time. So the payment plan is critical to deal with it right away. And I'd say the vast majority of delinquency we deal with is dealt with at this stage. Probably 90% of any delinquency you have seen in the past gets dealt with at this stage. Should just nip it in the butt right away. Yeah kind of going back a step on this too, like to the underwriting, I know we're going to have Zach on here in a couple, uh, probably a couple episodes, but, uh, and we'll, we'll dig more into this, but we put a lot of time and effort into confirming basically the character of the client yeah, and their ability to repay. Right. Like if we have a client who legit like goes NSF on their first payment, like we did something wrong. Yeah. Right. Unless there's, like I said, it was a a wrong account or something like that. Yeah, like if it was a legit NSF, it's just like okay, we probably shouldn't have done this deal. That's a major red flag. <laughs> if you get hit with it right away, <laughs> it's usually more so like private lending's intended to be short term, six, twelve months, maybe twenty four months. Like yeah. it's that client who gets stuck and can't pay you out. Yeah, and two three years down the road, they start to run into problems.
1: And do you typically find that that once it happens once, there's more? Oh yeah,
0: yeah, it becomes a trend hundred yeah. percent. And that's a, just another reason to address it head on right away when it happens. Mm.
1: So once someone does that, like what happens, do you do, is there times where there's no response, can't get a hold of the mm-hmm.
0: client? Yeah. Is that Re- more frequent? Well, I would say not more f- necessarily more not frequent, frequent but, like, it- but it does happen for sure. And if you don't get a response from the client, it needs to be escalated. Right. So basically... If you reach out by email, phone, whatever, and you don't hear anything back over a period of time, our process has typically been, as soon as they miss that second payment, yeah, you institute some sort of legal demand, right? You send a legal demand to them and saying, basically, you've got 10 days to respond and come up with a payment plan or repay this, or we could start the enforcement process if need be. So as if they've missed two payments in a row? Correct. Got it. Okay. Correct. Yeah, we wouldn't do it after one payment, but it's more like the non-responsiveness from the client that would be a a big flag that okay, there's a risk here that this is going to start to snowball,
1: and it does so quickly Mm -hmm. because two payments already is a huge percentage of the loan. Yeah, and so and it gets very costly on cash flow.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah, it's a burden on the business. We got to continue paying investors regardless, right? So, you know, depending on your structure, your investor might take that hit too, right? So if they're on that given deal and your client's missing payments for a couple months in a row, they're probably going to get spooked and, you know, be less likely to invest in the next deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they, 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 you can't have that happening. Interesting. And so is there any more frequency within commercial or residential, or is it very much like a case? Like what, say, you uh, said you were looking for things in the underwriting that, that yeah. is a telltale. Like what would someone...
0: Past credit issues. So, yeah, I guess that's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's the number one predictor for sure, which is why we're much more weary of those deals. Yeah. And those would be deals where we would only consider in like an urban setting, highly marketable property with multiple avenues for exit strategy. And, and by that, I mean, a B lender would lend there, all A mm-hmm. lenders would lend there, credit unions will lend there, type thing. And it's there's a marketability if they had to sell the property yeah. as well, right? So, but, you know, typically in general, we like to avoid those people with credit delinquency, severe credit delinquency in the past, unless there's a really good avenue to to make it work for them. 100%. Yeah. So,
1: so now they've missed two.
0: Mm. You've sent the letter. Yeah. What is that? So I should clarify. So we would likely get our lawyer to send that letter. Yes. And that, like I said, 90% are dealt with with that first attempt at making a payment plan. Yeah. This would get another 90% of those clients to, to kind of wake up and respond to us within that time frame and come up with some sort of plan <laughs> to get back. A revival. Yeah. It's like a you just... Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> So that demand letter typically gives them 10 days to respond to. Okay. And then at that point, if they don't respond within 10 days, we can actually start the enforcement process, right? That's actual foreclosure. Exactly. To foreclose on the loan. And uh, at this point, we would, I think some businesses might handle it internally in some ways in terms of the communication. But at that point, we would hand this off to our lawyer who's going to handle the enforcement of the file. Exactly. And then they're fully engaged. Basically, we stop kind of communicating with the client at that point and say, you know, refer to our lawyer in this scenario until we're, you know, caught up in full and, and there's a plan to to repay.
1: And at that point, a client still technically has an opportunity to oh yeah, clean themselves up, but there's gonna be no opportunity for them to
0: renew the loan when the time. Likely not. I mean, it, it really, it always depends on the scenario. You don't want to help your clients, you know, achieve their goals and move out and you know, ideally retain their property or, or sell their property and use the, the proceeds to get their next property or rental. But yeah, that's something we have our lawyers kind of manage through that.
1: And all of the costs incurred, so let's say they miss all the payments, lawyers come involved, and there is a foreclosure, that all gets tallied as part of the proceeds that need to be get reclaimed from that property.
0: Exactly. All legal costs, missed yeah. interest payments. It's not like we profit off this scenario. Right. So in fact, legally, we're not allowed to, we are just allowed to cover our costs. Right. So, you know, a lot of people who are maybe unaware of the industry will say, oh, like, you know, do you ever like try to take a property? And I'm just like, <laughs> that is the absolute worst strategy you could yeah. have in this industry. There's literally no upside to doing that. So another reason why we try really hard to avoid loans that are going to go down this path.
1: Because when you do reclaim a property, you have to then try and sell it on the fair market.
0: That's right. It goes to an open auction and its base starting level, I guess, would be, you know. Debt amount. If- exactly. And then goes up from there to fair market value.
1: And so even if you owe, let's say we have $200,000 on it and it sells for a million bucks, that $800,000 goes back to the person who owned the property.
0: Correct. And another important reason for us to effectively manage our loan to values as well, such that if you ever got into this scenario, you have enough room to cover. Those missed interest, legals, all that stuff, because that stuff's all going to add up regardless. And if you don't have enough room from a loan-to-value perspective, and the property sells below what that cost is, you take a loss.
1: And typically, when they go to an auction, they're going to go for less than even if it's worth a million, it might go for like eight hundred. Yeah, so you got to take that twenty percent off there. And then, sure. what what does legal end up costing?
0: Oh, it varies on it the varies, deal. Yeah. That's one thing I forgot to mention. Like this process takes months. Yeah, you know, you're talking so three you're to six interest. months. That's that's going through your accruing interest. You missed all that interest in the time. I'd say legal, if I had to guess, ranges twenty to forty thousand dollars on an average file. Wow! Oh yeah,
1: that's where, and that's again where smaller deals become a lot less appetizing. Hundred percent because if the house is only worth two hundred grand. Yep. Even if you're only at twenty percent loan to value, yep. your expenses to get the thing back. Yep. Plus the discounts, all that could absolutely quickly suck that up. Yep.
0: Damn. Yeah, that's why it's a different market out here in Atlantic Canada too, right? Versus you know some of the the average price points in Ontario, BC, and Alberta being you know seven hundred thousand two million dollars yeah, yeah exactly interesting yeah well best thing to do here is just don't have that happen exactly let's just <laughs> avoid it yeah knock on wood continue going that way but um yeah that being said and i've now having spoken to a few
1: bankers if you don't have any delinquency if you don't have any issues going on you're really not taking enough
0: risk exactly exactly and you know there's two sides to that coin too. Like when you're a smaller business and just starting out, you know, you might not want any delinquency. Like that's just another burden. Yeah. It's a stressor too, right? It's something that would keep you up at night. You know, if you've only got four or five loans on your books and two of them are going sideways, like you're not going to be sleeping well, right? You took too much risk. 4 <laughs> percent's <laughs> the target typically? two Well, I'd say that's a reasonable target. You know, yeah. I'd more so target two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like what our bank delinquency rates are like point one or 0.05 right so not that we're you know we want to be in that same ballpark but you know anything five percent plus i'd say it is a problem and you got to tighten up
1: exactly and so if you only have 10 loans out and one goes sideways you're at 10 already exactly so exactly yeah for yeah your first so you keep it years, clean yeah it uh, for you want, sure you want to keep that zero but
0: yeah one thing i wanted to mention before we wrap neil from the investment perspective yep this Is another reason to diversify, kind of just what we were talking about, right? So, from an investment perspective, you know, if you're structured where you're investing in private loans on a one-off basis, and you know, you may be participating in the underwriting, or you may have that broker, whoever's facilitating it, you know, recommending a deal to you, all your eggs are in one basket, right? Yeah. So, whereas the way we do it at Keystone is we spread the risk across our entire book. Yep. You know, as an investor, you don't see those ups and downs and have to deal with the delinquency. It's just part of our risk management and it gets taken into account in our margin
1: a hundred percent yeah and just to double down on that like having spoken to people who have done direct private lending i mean obviously there's all the stress and headache of doing the underwriting finding the placement and dealing with clients that they have to take on that we would take on and would eliminate it for them but one of them had mentioned to me he's like yeah i've had a few people miss payments and so even though I'm getting an extra couple percentage points, I'm actually not. No. Because now I'm losing on those months. Yep. And so I'd rather just eliminate that, go in a pooled fund and just get a nice consistent return yep. with no stress, no headache. Yep. So yeah, the pooled fund makes it makes a ton of sense. But there is definitely also a, an investor world out there that likes to be direct tied. I think they like the like thrill of it almost.
0: The thrill. I mean, obviously you get a little bit higher return. You know, your name is directly tied to that security, yeah. right? So people kind of like that. I prefer diversification personally, but I understand both sides of it. 100%. Yeah. All right. That's it. Anything else? That's a wrap. Cool. That's great. Thanks everybody for listening. Peace.
1: Hey guys, it's Neil Andrino, your co-host and your co-founder at Keystone Capital and director of investor relations. I'm also a real estate agent, real estate investor, and business owner.
0: And your co-host and co-founder of Keystone Capital Group, Ryan McNeil, Keystone is licensed under the Mortgage Regulations Act of Nova Scotia, license number 3000549. And through FCMB license 88799. Keep in mind the views of this podcast are for informational purposes only, and are not financial advice.